We are reading from Daniel chapter 4, so please turn with me there, page 888. Verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar, to the nations and peoples of every language who live in all the earth, may you prosper greatly. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs, how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. I had a dream that made me afraid. As I was lying in my bed, the images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. So I commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be brought before me to interpret the dream for me. We'll continue in verse 19 after Nebuchadnezzar tells his dream to Daniel. Then Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, was greatly perplexed for a time, and his thoughts terrified him. So the king said, Belteshazzar, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. Belteshazzar answered, my lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries. The tree you saw, which grew large and strong, with its top touching the sky, visible to the whole earth, with beautiful leaves and abundant fruit, providing food for all, giving shelter to the wild animals and having nesting places in its branches for the birds. Your majesty, you are that tree. You become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches to the sky and your dominion extends to the distant parts of the earth. Your majesty saw a holy one, a messenger, coming down from heaven and saying, cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump bound with iron and bronze in the grass of the field while its roots remain in the ground. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live with the wild animals until seven times pass by for him. This is the interpretation, your majesty, and this is the decree of the Most High has issued against my Lord the King. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat the grass like the ox and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. The command to leave the stump of your tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that your prosperity will continue. All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, Is not this the great kingdom Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? Even as the words were on his lips, a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox. Seven times will pass for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. Immediately, what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and ate grass like the ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. At the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven 
and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the power of heaven. And the peoples of the earth, no one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of heaven, because everything he does is right, and all his ways are just, and those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Amazing. Thanks, Daniel. I'm going to pray. Oh God, we are just, we are so needy for you. Um, And I just ask that as we dig into this chapter now in the book of Daniel, um, may just treasures from you be unearthed. Um, May you just be filling us up um, with exactly what you want to speak into each one of us today. May you be just transforming us, Lord. Amen. Amazing. Keep your Bibles open in that chapter because we're going to be kind of digging in and out. Um, And today I want to talk to you about power. But before I do, I just want to say that I absolutely love reading the Bible um, and I love reading uh, pieces of history like what we've just read from the Bible. Because even though it's history from thousands of years ago, it is just so relevant to me today. And as a church, we encourage everyone to be reading the Bible daily and pursuing God's presence daily. That's why we love Bible in One Year, the app where you can read and listen to the whole Bible through the whole year. So in one year, you've read the whole Bible. Now, I am a blonde millennial from the UK. Um, And we've just read a chapter in Daniel about people that we know were from modern-day Iraq, who lived thousands of years ago, and yet there are some things that transcend time. Um, It's like however much I try and convince my husband otherwise, he will always say that crocs are timeless. Um, And some things do transcend time. They transcend cultures. Um, And there are two of those things. One of them is the human heart, the desire for power, nations fighting nations, pride, that transcends time and culture. And the second is God. We just read a chapter from thousands of years ago, and we're living today. Our God is exactly the same. So today we're looking at power and we're looking at that firstly, God is in charge. Secondly, um, let's hold power lightly. And finally, partner in God's power. So first, I'd love us to see that God is in charge. It's one of the most wonderful and comforting truths in the Bible. What's he in charge of? All history, all geography, all cultures, he is in charge. The whole Bible speaks about it. In Matthew, we read about Jesus describing how even a sparrow falling from the sky 
is not outside of God's sovereignty. But it can be really difficult to believe. Maybe we find it difficult because we know of nations or powerful leaders that have done or are doing all sorts of evil. How can God be in charge of them? When they look nasty and they do harm to the vulnerable. What about nations that make up laws that oppress Christians, that deny God, that restrict freedoms for God's people? How can God be in charge of them? A more comfortable solution would be that God is only in charge of certain areas, like sparrows and like my life. And then everything else, he's slightly lost control. Well, we're looking at Daniel, and we see that he is living in that exact type of society. Babylon, it was being run by a man that we know from earlier chapters was really ruthless. He threw God's people um, into fire. He was brutal, tyrant. Babylon was enemies of God's people. Surely God is not in charge here. Well, Daniel 4 teaches us something surprising and much more comforting. And this chapter is actually different to all the other chapters in the book of Daniel because it's written by King Nebuchadnezzar himself. So if you pick up your Bibles and look at verse 1 of chapter 4, it says, King Nebuchadnezzar to the nations and peoples of every language who live on all the earth. So he is writing to everyone, and King Nebuchadnezzar is wanting to tell everyone at that time something that he's not ashamed of, and he's honest about what went on in his life, that he lost all of his power, he lost his mind, and then had it restored, and he wants to let everyone know that God is in charge of it all. And how do we know that this chapter is teaching that God's in charge? Well, I want us to see two ways. First we see that this chapter has been written like a sandwich. Uh, for those of you who are not sandwich connoisseurs, a sandwich is where you have two identical pieces of bread, and then for me, you have mild cheese in the middle. Um, and it's a way that some people use to write or to communicate a message. You have something at the start, something at the end, and they're identical. And then you've got the main bit in the middle, and it's saying, this is what I'm trying to communicate. And we see that. So if we look at verse 3 in our Bibles, if we pick up our Bibles, verse 3. King Nebuchadnezzar says, How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His, God's kingdom, is an eternal kingdom. His dominion, so what he's in charge of, endures from generation to generation. And then we see right at the end, verse 34. The end of verse 34 says exactly the same thing. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. King Nebuchadnezzar, he's had this big discovery. God is in charge of all things at all time. And secondly, repetition. If something's important, you repeat it. I probably tell my son 20 times a day to wash his hands and to say please and thank you. And I just repeat it over and over again say thank you, say thank you, not because I love the sound of my voice or because it's got a rhythm to it, but really because it's important. And I want him to know that. We repeat things that are important. And it's the same in the Bible. So if we look at verse 17 
of chapter 4. We see this being said to King Nebuchadnezzar in his dream. He says, The decision is announced by messengers. The Holy One declares the verdict so that the living may know that the Most High God is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. And then again, we see in verse 25, when Daniel is interpreting the dream. If we look at verse 25, I'm going to read that out. It says, seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. And then again, eventually God himself speaks to King Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 32. He says, seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. It's easy for us to read, but it's a more difficult thing for us to believe. God is in charge of everything, but it does not mean that he approves of everything. God calls out evil. We worship a God of justice. Like King Nebuchadnezzar, he had everything taken from him because of his pride and his rebellion. And like with every leader, Justice either happens now or when we meet God face to face. In the letter to the Hebrews in the Bible, it says, all will die and face judgment. Justice happens. Now, when I used to work in private banking, we would have every few months uh, a day off work, yes, but it would be a training day. So we'd go to the classroom Um, And it was brilliant, it was great to get upskilled in different areas that would be helpful in our work. Um, I still remember my first training day when I joined the bank that I worked for. You'd expect it to be um, a training in Excel formulas um, or maybe in kind of the real estate market. I actually ended up in an etiquette class. Um, If you want any advice on where to put your knife and fork, I could help. But I remember during one of these training days, we were shown this diagram. And it might be familiar to some people. And it's a diagram about the circles of control. The center is what you have control over. And then around that is what you don't have control over, but you have influence. And then everything else outside of that is where you do not have any control. I've realized that in my home life, the longer time goes on, the smaller my circle of control seems to be. (laughs) And the bigger the things outside of my control seem to be. Um, Especially with a toddler who has learned how to open the fridge. (laughs) As a Christian, we look at what is going on the evil that happens abroad and things closer to home. And we, as followers of Jesus, we can be distinctive because no matter what we are fearing, no matter how frightening, God is even more powerful. He is bigger, he is stronger, he is more just, and he is in charge So for any of us here who are fearful today, we can ask God in the quiet. We can ask him, remind me who you are. Spurgeon has a quote where he says, when you go through a trial, 
the sovereignty of God is the pillow upon which you lay your head. And we can rest knowing that God's in charge. Secondly, we want to hold power lightly. So I am clenching my fist right now. I am holding that really, really tight. And then I can open up my hand. And I can hold something lightly with an open hand. And for us all here, I know each of us, we have different uh, responsibilities. And God's given each of us different powers or influences. And we can hold them. Yeah, we can hold them. We can live in them. But let's hold them lightly. Verse 17 says, God gives all kingdoms to anyone he wishes. In chapter four, we read about King Nebuchadnezzar and he has worldly power, but despite all of his influence, he has a shocking dream and he's fearful. It's a dream with this picture of this great tree being ripped down. He goes to Daniel, a man with no worldly power, a political prisoner, and yet Daniel had one thing that King Nebuchadnezzar in all of his riches did not have. Let's look at verse nine of chapter four. King Nebuchadnezzar says, I said, Balthazar, Daniel, chief of the magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you. No mystery is too difficult for you. Here's my dream, interpret it. See, the one thing that Daniel had was he knows God. So Daniel interprets this dream um, and it's a really serious warning. And Daniel goes on and warns King Nebuchadnezzar, you're gonna be driven away from your people. You're gonna lose control. You're gonna lose your mind. You're gonna end up in a state of humiliation. You're gonna have nothing until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms and gives to anyone he wishes. And then he urges King Nebuchadnezzar, in verse 27, Daniel says, Therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what's right, your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed, so it may be that your prosperity will continue. And yet, we carry on and we read further that King Nebuchadnezzar, in verse 29 and 30, we read, 12 months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, is not this the great Babylon I've built on the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? My, my, my. He was holding tightly to his power with pride, looking down when he could have been looking up. 1 Peter 5, 5 reads, God opposes the proud but shows favour to the humble. And so in a moment, Nebuchadnezzar goes from holding all power to having nothing, everything stripped away. I heard about a funeral that happened recently. And the guy who went along was explaining that um, it was a very high profile person's funeral. So uh, the guests and the people who were attending, some of them flew in on private jets, some of them on helicopters. He said that actually looking around that room, you know, there was this huge amount of influence, power, really, really high profile people. And yet, when the box came in, everyone looked rather small and rather fragile. 
we're called to hold power lightly. We can't control when we get given it, and we cannot control when it gets taken away. And in verse 27, Daniel urges King Nebuchadnezzar, after the warning of the dream, to renounce the bad things you're doing. Do what's right, be kind to the oppressed, use your power for good to lead in justice. And I absolutely love this because that's what we all long for. Leaders who will act justly with kindness and wisdom. And for many of you here who are in leadership, that is the call for you too. And I am so grateful that Jesus is our King. Like that song that we um, sang earlier about the Lion of Judah and the Lamb, two different ways that Jesus is described. Lion, he has all almighty power, and then also a lamb. And Jesus spent his life doing what was right. He reached out and cared for people that everyone else avoided. He spoke what was right, not just what was comfortable or popular. He acted justly. In Colossians, Jesus is described in chapter one of Colossians, verse 15. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Jesus and for Jesus. He is before all things. Jesus is the king with all power, so we can hold any power that he has given to us lightly. So finally, God invites each of us to partner in his almighty power. God invites us to partner in his almighty power. For those of us here who are born again followers of Jesus, we can partner with him because we are carriers of God's Holy Spirit. The same power that humbles nations, that defeats death, that rose Jesus from the dead, lives in you. I read about a woman who a few years ago, she was running a 24-7 prayer room um, at the time in America. Um, and it's an amazing Christian organisation. There are these rooms everywhere um, and they're open for prayer 24 hours a day, seven days a week. She lived near a sports stadium and she had a dream about the Super Bowl that was going to take place that weekend. In her dream, though, the stadium was filled with blood. She gathered a few friends and on the night of the game, they went to the car park of the stadium and they prayed. They just prayed. Because God's in charge. The game happened. There was a winner, there was a loser. Um, nothing unexpected went on. Until a few days later, news reports started coming out that a man had, for a number of weeks before, been sending anonymous, threatening letters about the Super Bowl. And that on the night of the game, he had got into his car with weapons and he had driven to a car park by the stadium where a number of Christians were gathered praying. It was explained afterwards that apparently when he parked up his car, he was filled with guilt and regret. He started crying and he turned his car back on and he drove away. 
Now, God doesn't always promise to intervene. But as carriers of the Holy Spirit, we can partner with him in the purposes that he has. And he can do miracles. And he does do them. To the world, we may look frail or weak or small, or we may hold significant influence and power. And yet for each of us who carries the Holy Spirit, we equally have access to God's almighty power. We can partner with him in everything that he is wanting to do in this area here. God wants to do amazing things in Leatherhead. And I love that he speaks to us through his word and also he speaks to us in the quiet. When we're just walking along, we can just ask him like, God, who are you wanting us, like me to go to? Give me a picture, you know, who is, who should I pick up the phone to? Who should I send a message? Where should I go? Lead me there, Jesus. And he wants to partner with you in doing everything that he has planned in this area. So my prayer for us is that we will be a group of people relying on God's power to see transformation happen in people's lives and in Leatherhead. In Jesus' name, amen.